Steam locomotives were some of the most powerful machines ever built. They pulled trains that fueled our imagination. They represented vision, collaboration, ingenuity, customer service, and extraordinary human achievement. But in order to get to their destination, it took someone guiding them through a series of switches in order to get to the main line. Just like leaders today, it takes someone directing them down the right path in order to get to their destination. Welcome to Mainline Executive Coaching ACT, which stands for and Cultural Transformation, hosted by Master Certified Intelligent Leadership Executive Coaches, Michael Bailey and Rich Barron. With over 50 years of successful cultural transformation and quantum leadership development between them. Once again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's show. Welcome, folks, and thank you for joining us today. This is Mainline Executive Coaching, ACT, Mainline Leaders. We are here to help you as leaders and aspiring leaders to become your best, to become the best leaders that you can become through training, through coaching, through consulting, through different ways that whatever ways that we can possibly do to bring to you the resources to that you can then employ in your own leadership development. We're here to help. We're here to help you bring out the very best in what it is that you do and what you want to accomplish. We have today with us um, a great, great guest, and we're excited to, to have her here, here with us, and I'll be introducing her in, in just a moment. I'm here with my partner, Rich Barron, and I am Michael Bailey. We are indeed Mainline Executive Coaching, ACT. ACT means ACT. Yes, ACT, and also, and cultural transformation. It's that combination of great leadership that creates great cultures for people to operate in, and this is the very subject that we are discussing today. We have with us today Christine Barant, and she is with uh, Zytosign. She is the HR director for them. Great company. It's a worldwide company. It's a, she's, a, she's, she's a one powerful lady that we brought on today. And she's going to be talking to us about this, this thing that's going on, this, the great resignation. The great resignation. If you, if you haven't heard that yet, this is, uh, this is going to be very exciting because it's got a lot of stuff going on. So, Christine. Thank yes, you. Sir. Thank you for joining us today. We're so happy and delighted to have you be a part of our discussion today. Yes, so very Give us a little bit about your background. Give us kind of your me in 30 seconds of what you are about and what's been going on with, let's start with just that. Then we'll get into the great resignation. Sure, sure. So yes, I've been with Cytosign for the last two years or so for manufacturing plant for agriculture. We do plant, animal, and nutrition uh or aquatic nutrition. We're based out of South Salt Lake. We manufacture, ship, and produce everything in-house. We've got a headcount of close to 100 employees, and uh, we're not special in uh, this recession or the retention that everyone else is going through. We've definitely felt it ourselves. Okay. So thank you. I appreciate that introduction. All right. We're going to start, Rich, with you. Let's start unpacking this, this thing called the Great Resignation. And it's complicated. So go slowly and let's just kind of open it up piece at a time. Well, great resignation. And really, if you, you start to unpack this, it's not so much the great resigna resignation or a mass exodus where 
everybody's uh, big coordinated, let's walk off the job. Really, it has a lot to do with what's happened over the last couple of years, uh, 2020 uh, and now. And really, it's about dissatisfaction. It's, it's about a misunderstanding of what we actually do as workers in the workplace. You know, let, let's back up a, li a little bit on this. Prior to 2020, you know, there was, you know, we really didn't have the terms everybody was going to be working for home, remote work. You know, not everybody was working uh, through uh, Zoom, although there was, uh, you know, some doing that. But the thing is, we had a routine. We had a routine. You know, we, we got up in the mornings, we got dressed, we got looked our best. We always wanted to look our best to get to work or, you know, there was there was things we needed to do to make sure that when we went into the office, you know, we, we presented well, we got to see those people that we worked with every day. You know, they were actually 3D individuals, not just 2D, you know, virtual workers. Right. You know, we got to, uh, you know, talk with people, you know, break room. You know, what happened during breaks and lunches? We got together. We got to, if we, there was a problem, you could walk across the hallway and, you know, pick, we pick someone's brain. Now you got to get on a calendar, you know, appointment with them for Zoom. The thing is, is we knew for the most part what we were expected to be, what we were expected to do, and had a better feel of how it was supposed to be done because we were right there with everybody. Now in 2020 hit, COVID, everybody is sent home to work, essentially. And this is where a lot of that dissatisfaction started to play. Um, and it's not so much that working from home was the problem. It's like we, we lost our identity. A lot of companies lost their identity with their workers. And as a result, a lot of workers really felt like, you know, do we truly belong? You know, is, is there really a culture in place anymore? Is, is someone really care about what I'm doing? They had all the IT problems with no real IT help because they were all home on their own servers, on their own laptops, whatever it may be. But it really, it comes down to disengagement and a mis uh, not really feeling welcome. Uh, not I shouldn't say welcome, but not really feeling a part of a bigger whole anymore. Now, there's still a lot of workers that really like this working at home, but you know, even surveys say, at least 50% of the workforce wants to go back. They want to get back in, in the office. But yet, we're all still switching out to going. There's a lot of companies that are really still working remote. And it really boils down, honestly, to leadership. Leaders not truly understanding how to keep these employees engaged. Okay. Thank you. All right, Christine, you're right there in the trenches. You're dealing with it every single day. What's your take on what this is all about and 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 what's happening here? Yes, I couldn't agree more with you, Rich. Absolutely. Uh, there is that disconnect. Absolutely. When they're at home, you know, and they get a little bit more comfortable. I can't tell you how many times I've been in where they're wearing the T-shirt with ketchup stains and pajamas. Yes, and they've gotten a little too comfortable at home. You're right. They went from getting dressed up every morning and shaving everywhere, you know, and just being presentable to getting a little too comfortable at home. And so there is that 50% that's kind of made their bed with it. It has been over a year now for them doing that. So trying to get them back into work mode, if you will, has been difficult. The other half, absolutely. 
They are. They're ready to come back to work. They're ready to engage and be on the front lines again. You know, it is. It's a very 50-50. And it's a challenge to go after that other 50 that's gotten so comfortable from staying at home. And it's understandable. They're able to have their kids at home. They're having to not pay for child care. They're not having to put miles on the car, fill up, or sit in traffic. So I understand the appeal, absolutely. But, you know, what kind of culture is that breeding? That goes back into management as well. So for the folks that are coming back to work, they are heavily dependent on those management and leaders to support them and engage with them and and invest in that position of their career. And they look to that. So I find that a lot of these are discouraged when management is kind of just beating the drum of work, 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 instead of let's, you know, roll up our sleeves and be part of it together and find a solution. And I think that has really been, that's been, that. It seems like there's some different feeds into this whole thing. There are those people who have been working in cultures that they were maybe questioning, do I really want to work here anyway? And so anytime there's a disruption, and, and, and I'm a little older here, and I've seen disruptions over the years. There's been massive layoffs in different industries at different times. And, you know, people are going all over the place. And, and that disruption really gives people pause. Do I really want to work in this industry? Do I want to change? Do I want to go back to school? Do I want to maybe go to business for myself? Those kind of disruptions have always been going on. Right. Uh, this one was the first time it really went on, a, on at a huge level. And so I think one of the things it did was it started showing the weaknesses in certain companies. It shows it also showed the weaknesses in some uh, employees in terms of how dedicated they were to the particular jobs of the organizations that they were working. So you had, I'd say, some not so great organizations and now you got great people leaving. On the other hand, you've got some, you know, great organizations and the people that really didn't like it, they're leaving as well. So it's it's kind of like this big sorting that takes place. That's what I'm seeing as well. The other part of it is this. I think there is perhaps a level of, you know, um, you know, saying to the man, you know, I don't have to do it your way. I think that's a real thing that's going on here. And uh and we're starting to find out that maybe that's that's not necessary for us to come in all the time. And so the sense of idea of flexibility here, it's a difficult one. And I think it's difficult this way because sometimes we think I want to be able to call it and do it my way. But sometimes that really doesn't work. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to work together as the group. So I'm kind of curious here, Christine, for those people that are just saying, well, I just and I'm going to sound very biased. I know it. They just say, I want to do it my way or the highway. That puts everybody in a difficult situation because you're not running the company. Right. And, and you don't have privy to all the information and all the things that are going on. So what would you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about the people that say, I want to do it my way? Or do you want to talk more about the people that have legitimate gripes about, you know, I just don't like this manager. This person's not very thoughtful and not very cooperative and not very supportive. Which which one do you want to address? Uh, certainly management. I can't how many exit interviews I have had. Employee. The only reason because of their manager. Um, and it seems so avoidable. Uh, it, it's so avoidable. A lot of times, it's uh, maybe it's perspective. The manager thought everything was great when really they weren't quite. Re- 
between the lines. Um, maybe they thought their approach was correct. And, and a lot of times, man, that was a coaching opportunity. We can save this person. And in HR, that's my job. I'm an advocate, not only for the company, but as well for the employees to be able to kind of be that bridge and make sure that both parties are happy and healthy and efficient. Um, you know, we have this attitude at work of work hard, play hard. Uh, but, you know, there's the balance, that work-life balance. And sometimes, you know, we get a little too ahead of ourselves and it's work, 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 work. And it shouldn't be all, but it does need to be enjoyable. If you're not having fun, I don't care what the dollar amount is. I don't care what the benefits are. Not enjoying what you're doing and feeling supported and feeling appreciated, they're going to walk. And that back to the supervisors and managers, maybe a simple attaboy or hey, I like what you're doing with this, but what if we try that way? You know, just being a little bit more approachable. Anything could help. And, and going to your HR representative and asking them for tools and a little bit of coaching of how to situations, I think so valuable. And, and you get so into the steps of working every day that you kind of forget that that HR representative is a resource for you to go back to and, and maybe even be in the room to communicate between you and that employee. Everyone's understanding what's being spoken and everyone's on the same page. That's excellent. I love hearing your HR point of view. I mean, it's really nice. It's very, very refreshing. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. So Rich, talk talk about it from the point of view of those employees that just maybe wanted, they want to make the calls. They want to set up the terms of employment. Is there a place that it's legitimate? Is there a place that they can go too far? What is that kind of balance that we're looking for in terms of creating great companies with great cultures and great people, great leaders working together to create great products and services. What's that balance? You know, it's still, honestly, Michael, you know, there's, there's a, uh, there's a, a poll out, a Gallup poll, and it focuses on organic growth in, in workplace. And it really comes down to still that culture, culture that they found out that companies have still tried to, bring a culture to the workplace where everybody's included. They, they truly know what the vision is. They truly know what everything is about the company, where we're going as a group, where, how we're going to succeed. That reduces the turnover by at least 36%. Now, I, part of the stuff that, you know, go, go on to your question here. A lot of it I see and reading about some of these articles, reading about some of these workers have got home. They're on their own turf. They're on their own time. There, you know, a lot of them feel like, you know, there's one organization just recently I was reading about that said, you can do, you can work from wherever you want as long as you show up to your nearest, you know, facility at least eight times a year. Okay, that really, you know, what kind of culture is that really bring into it? Is that is there they allowing them to make their own work time, their own workspace, can make their own shots? Here's the thing is when we were going into work prior to 2020 and there's, you know, most people were going in, we had an expectation of what it was supposed to be like. We knew we were supposed to be there at a certain time. We knew that we were being held, you know, we were working with a group of people. We were working with a team, an actual 3D team, maybe in a boardroom around a table versus, you know, six or seven faces on a screen there was more of an expectation of what we needed to be, who we needed to be, how we needed to get it done. 
there's a lot of those now that are just simply, you know, if you want me to go back to working in an office or I have, you know, the expectations now are X and Y, I'm not okay with that. I'm home. I'm, you know, I, I like what I'm doing here. And if this isn't working, I'm going to go find someplace else that it will work for me. There really is, you know, we talked about this, you know, is there a lack of resilience for some of them? Um, you know, the skills and talents, that's not the problem. There's skills and talents out, out there everywhere. Every, we've talked about this how many times? Really, it comes down to heart. It comes down to heart. What, how much do you want to impact your life? And I think we, we misunderstand how much work means in people's life. You know, you know, it's, it's fulfilling. It's part of that, that need to be fulfilled, part of that need to belong to something more than just, you know, who we are as an individual. Um, you know, and I think that's where a lot of that dissatisfaction comes from. But there's also those that are like, yeah, I've got my freedom now and I'm not giving it up. I like the paycheck. I'm not giving that up. You know, and there, that's probably a very few uh, of the individuals we're talking about. But still, I mean, even studies show that's that is part of the problem. Four million people walked off the job, uh, you know, or changed jobs in April alone. Forty one percent of global workers, 30,000 uh, workers that were surveyed, uh, like 41 percent of those had changed jobs in the last year. And there's an estimate right now that at least two thirds of all American workers plan on changing their jobs this fall or are at least thinking about it. That's huge. What is that actually costing those organizations? Oh, it's huge. It's, you're right. It's huge. It, when, Christine, when you when you bring somebody on board, right? Uh, I was reading some statistics here that to get somebody really into the groove, they're comfortable, they know what they're doing, they're really competent what they're doing. It can take six to nine months to do that. Is that about right, or is that figure different from your experience? No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's so about that upridge. It's such a great point. Uh, my HR team developed a wage analysis, a turnover analysis, and the cost thousands of dollars that are invested right out the gate from um, the proper tools. And so they're already investing that upfront with getting them in the door. Um, have some around, walk off the job within a couple of months. You have to start from your beginning already in negative and try and get what you've already invested in. So it it was astounding that found we did not expect. Yeah, those are really tough calls here. All right, let's we need to wrap this up here. I am curious as we wrap this up, what is it, Christine, we're going to start with you and then we'll wrap up with Rich. Christine, if you were to give us a, 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 a both a realistic and optimistic point of view about bringing people into, into into your company or any other company, what would you say that the company needs to be doing and what would you say that that individual looking for work needs to be doing? What's the, how would we create this chemistry of, we want great opportunity to happen for everybody? Gosh, you know, I, I go back to being a lot of these, my company, we will interview three, four, five different interviews with different management throughout the facility to make sure it's a right fit, a right fit for that candidate and a right fit for us. It's speed dating, if you will. <laughs> um, you gain to know them and make sure it's a good fit. And if that means putting in a couple extra interviews to make sure it's going to work, it's absolutely worth it. I mean, again, I don't know 
I know Rich is just like me. Um, you spend so much time at work. It's, you almost spend more time at the office than you do your own family sometimes. I've clocked in more hours at the office than I have at home before. It's just how it goes. I, I guess my biggest advice to come to, to really invest in that process and make sure that you are 100% invested in, in that individual and giving them the best opportunity that you can up front. Uh, and it's, it's that first impression, right? To make sure that that is a foundation set in gold and then move forward and keep up that momentum. Just not, you know, throw them out to the to the office or the floor and say, go and, and then ignore them. Just, yeah. you know, being there without helicopter mom, right? Just being available and being present and making sure that they know that they can come to you and having that open door policy. They are home or working in the office. You have to make sure you have a pulse check and make sure that everyone. Oh, that's good advice. I, I love the sense of goodwill. I love the sense of mutual respect. I love the sense of we're in it together and that we need to have each other's back to make it really work. I, I love that. Thank you so much for being with us today, Christine. Thank you so much. Yes. All right. And Rich, you got it. Take it home. All righty. Thank you, Christine, very much. Uh, me and Christine, as she mentioned, we worked together for a long time. So, you know, we understand a lot of these issues. Uh, we've gone through a lot of these issues together. And, uh, you know, we see, and I know Christine's very capable of handling and working through a lot of these situations and really understanding what, what it takes. Once again, everybody, I'm going to give a big shout out. Who are we going to give a shout out today, Michael? You know, I talked to somebody who is here in the state of Utah, and um, I, she knows she's watching this. She knows who it is that she is, and I have enormous respect for her. Enormously talented woman, very dynamic, very smart, just a great, great person. And uh, thank you, thank you for being one of our viewers. And uh, I wish you, you know who you are, all the best. All righty. Once again, thank you for joining us on our podcast uh, and all your support. Um, have a safe weekend. Take care, and we will see you again on Monday. Bye-bye. All right. All the best, everybody. With all of the issues facing leaders and organizations today, you need executive coaching more than ever. Go to our websites, richbarronexecutivecoaching.com or michaelbailey.com. You can also find us both on LinkedIn. Reach out to us and let's sit down and find out just how bright your future can be with executive coaching. We'd also like to thank all of our supporters in over 60 countries and 600 cities worldwide who have helped to make us one of the top executive coaching podcasts in the world. From Rich Barron and Michael Bailey, this is Mainline Executive Coaching ACT. Thank you and take care.